Hello, I am your host, Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Strongly Connected Components, episode 21, brought to you by AcmeScience.com. On this week's episode, I speak with Robert Devaney from Boston University. Talk about his complex dynamics and crazy mathematics lectures at MathFest 2010, and how one mathematician can give over 1,400 invited lectures. Here we go. I am here today with uh, Robert, it seems you generally go by Bob Devaney, uh, from Boston University. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> now, uh, you, we are here in uh, Pittsburgh for uh, MathFest, the um, Mathematical Association of America National Meeting, uh, and you have been giving a lecture series uh, on... Uh, Geometry and crazy mathematics. And dynamics. Dynamics. And crazy, complex dynamics. Complex dynamics and crazy mathematics. You know, I had that memorized uh-huh. <laughs> like 20 minutes ago, and now I completely messed it up. Yeah. I, if you could just give a, you know, like a small encapsulation of what you, uh, what that really means to those of us who have had the pleasure of seeing all three of those talks. Well, basically, uh, we're in the field of complex dynamics. So we look at a complex function, z squared plus a constant, or a constant times the exponential, and we iterate them. That's what's a dynamical system. We do it over and over again. It's a repetitive process, iterative process, over and over again. It comes up in lots of areas of science and engineering. And the question is, what happens? And what we found... Uh, in the last 20 or 30 years or so is that these processes can behave extremely chaotically. Okay, They have what we call sensitive dependence on initial conditions. They're totally unpredictable sometimes. And so that is what we as dynamicists want to understand. Where is this iterative process? Or what starting values is this iterative process chaotic? And so that's what I was talking about. That's what's commonly known in this particular subfield is the Julia sets. Okay, the Julia sets are a set of points in the complex plane where your iteration behaves chaotically. So you try to figure out what, where that is. Often that turns out to be a crazy set of points, a very fractal set of points, a very complicated set of points and all sorts of, of different topological objects arise as the Julia sets of these functions. Now, as you mentioned, this is all from dynamical systems, and you have, I, I believe more than once now, literally written the book. I would say the book. <laughs> well, you've written it, more than one uh, book yes, on the yeah. subject. And it's still a quite young field. Uh, so how did you end up getting into dynamical systems when you were uh, starting off? Well, maybe not necessarily starting off, but uh, when you came upon it. Like, what drew you into the field? Okay, well, I actually talked about this in one of the lectures. <clears throat> I didn't lecture it too much. Uh, 
when I was an undergraduate, I took a course in topology where we saw a lot of those crazy topological objects, and I was just enamored by them. I thought, wow, they are beautiful. Uh, then I went to graduate school and started out taking a topology course, but back then the courses in topology were very algebraic. And I, I think I mentioned in one of the lectures that the, the professor never drew a single picture in topology. So that wasn't why I went into topology. So I searched around for another field, and it was in those days that dynamical systems was just beginning. And there, all of a sudden, we were seeing these very interesting topological and geometric objects. So I moved in that direction because of that. Uh, and one other thing that you're doing with dynamical systems, you can find this on your website. You're, all, you're involved in dynamical systems and technology projects. Mm -hmm. And this is, I believe, a visualization, uh, or at least, a, at least part of it is a set of tools for visualization of, say, the images that uh, you've been showing over the last few days. Exactly. Uh, and have you, have you found that there's been a good reception, maybe more people going into dynamical systems because they're able to use these tools, or is, uh, or is this one of the big reasons is to bring more people in, say, your students, and get them working with that? Well, uh, the real motivation for the dynamical systems and technology project is really lower level. Uh, the grants came for me to give high school teachers okay. the wherewithal to introduce their students to what's new and interesting in, in contemporary mathematics, and this field is certainly uh, of that nature. It's first of all accessible. I mean, I spent the whole first lecture talking about x squared plus a constant, and secondly, it's quite beautiful. I yes, mean, the images definitely. that come out are spectacular. So it's a way of showing students that what they're learning in high school isn't the be-all and end-all of mathematics, that if you keep going a little bit, you're going to start seeing some very interesting mathematics. And so that's the motivation for that website. Now, granted, there's a lot of tools for uh, more experienced people to use, but when I say more experienced, I'm really thinking of uh, uh, undergraduates can use virtually all the tools that are there. And so that's also part of the now you mentioned uh, dealing with uh, high school students, or at least using that project for high school students. You're also one of the principal organizers of the Math Field Day. Right. Now, this is not something I had I had heard of before uh, this this conference. Could you explain what the Math Field Day or Math Field Days are? Okay. Well, <clears throat> they originally uh, they originated when I was working with a lot of different high school teachers. Uh, the teachers got very interested in this mathematics but wanted me to come to their classes and talk to their students and show them what I was doing, what I was thinking about. And, you know, I had a huge group of teachers that I was working with, and so it became impossible to go to every single classroom. So, about, I think, 18 years ago, we started saying, okay, you guys take a field trip. You know, you come to my university, Boston University, and I'll spend a day telling you about mathematics. Well, that caught on pretty quickly because, if you think about it, is in, in high school, where can you take field trips? Well, yeah, you're in art, you can go to a museum. You're in science, you can go to a science museum. In virtually all areas, you can take field trips. Mathematics is not one. Yeah. So the teachers all of a sudden had the ability to 
get out of the classroom for a day, take their students, and come and see a lot of the stuff uh, that, that I was involved with. And it, well, we now, each time we hold one of them, we, we, we can fit at most 600 people. We always have five to 600 students and teachers in the audience. We do it two or three times a year at Boston University and at some other places around the country. Uh, and again, it's just to show the students that there's something interesting and, and beautiful in current mathematics. Oh, what sort of topics do you usually talk about at the field desk? <clears throat> well, the first thing I talk about is what's called a chaos game, that is fractals. This is a talk that's accessible to anyone, even seventh, sixth graders can understand this talk, but it's, it's, it's very new and very interesting and very beautiful mathematics. Uh, you know, and outcomes of the Sierpinski triangle and all sorts of other fractal objects. And I go on to tell them about how some of my undergraduate students have actually gone on to Hollywood to use techniques like the chaos game in their work making uh, uh, films in Hollywood. And then, uh, then we break for a while and then I come back and talk about Julia sets and the Mandelbrot set, basically just for x squared plus a constant, but it's more or less the same. So it's very close to the first lecture I gave here. I'll do okay. that for high school students, maybe not as much detail at the end. but uh, So that's, those are the kinds of things we talk about. And each time we have uh, a visiting mathematician who talks about uh, another interesting area of current research. You have been listening to Strongly Connected Components. My guest on this week's episode is Robert Devaney from Boston University. This was recorded at MathFest in Pittsburgh in August 2010. Now, Robert's lectures there were fantastic, but they were not the only thing going on. In fact, there is also some poster sessions done by graduate students on research that they have been conducting. Here is me talking to one of those graduate students. I'm Scott Zimmerman from John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, and uh, so what are, you, what are you presenting here on your poster? I talked about, uh, the title is a characterization of Bonnock spaces. So what I did was I looked at Bonnock spaces, which are special kinds of metric spaces, and I tried to uh, characterize them uh, isomorphically, meaning um, the... You know, by using the, what was, what's called the complemented subspace problem, which asks, uh, if we have a Bonnock space in which every closed subspace is complemented, is that Bonnock space necessarily isomorphic to a Hilbert space? Um, and Hilbert spaces are the usual uh, R2 where we have some sort of inner product. In R2, the inner product is the dot product. And so we're saying, if we have this Bonnock space that has this special property, is it necessarily uh, isomorphic to a Hilbert space? Yeah, what was the motivation that made you work on this? Well, actually, this was my master's thesis. Well, there so, you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I took a class in functional analysis, and that's what this comes from. And so I, I was really interested in Bonnock spaces. My professor handed me a textbook, and I found this in there. So, uh, so for your master, you actually kind of came up with the question yourself instead of having the professor give you a question? It was actually, this was proved in 1971. This, oh, okay. this problem was proved in 1971. What I did was I went through a few textbooks and I was, uh, I was recreating some, some older results and trying to give some more explanation. I got in way over my head <laughs> in it. I, what I tried to do, the, the textbooks were aimed more at PhD students and uh, 
post docs. And uh, so what I tried to do was make it so a first-year graduate student or an undergrad could understand these proofs. It's oh, um, a, a very noble task. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> took a lot of work, a lot more than I expected. <laughs> they, they always do, don't yeah. they? Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, just a couple more questions. Have you been to other like major conferences before? Uh, not major. Was I've been to? I'm from Ohio, so I've been to some of the the statewide Ohio MAA conference and a few local ones like that. But this is the first time I've ever been to MathFest. Uh, what, uh, what's your general feeling about being at a, a large conference with you know thousand, you know at least at least <laughs> a thousand people here? It's a lot more than I expected. It's I it's. It, I was expecting, you know, I've been to the smaller ones, so I was expecting a few student sessions and maybe one or two lectures, but there's always something to do here, and I, wasn't, I definitely wasn't expecting that when I got into this. Now let's get back to my interview with Robert Devaney, conducted during MathFest 2010 at the Omni William Penn Hotel in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. One one thing uh, from the talks here that it kind of gets back, and you're talking about the beauty of the objects. Uh, you actually opened up on the first day talking how the math is just as beautiful as the object. Mm -hmm. Now, this is something that most people here will completely agree with, but most people on the street would probably have a bit of a disagreement uh, with you on that just because they may not enjoy mathematics in the same way that we do. I. Could you explain perhaps to someone who, uh, what would you say to someone who is not as enamored with the mathematics as to why you feel that the math is just as beautiful as these wonderful, very fractal objects that you've been showing? Well, because to generate them takes the kind of mathematics you're doing in high school, quadratic functions, or say the chaos game, that's rolling a die and moving half the distance towards a certain vertex, that's probability. It's all of the mathematics that you do in high school. In the chaos game, what you do is you generate this fractal by this random process. You say, wow, how did that random process generate this incredibly intricate fractal? Well, then you explain that, well, if you just look at this fractal and zoom in on certain areas in certain ways, you'll see maybe five self-similar copies, maybe rotated of the whole thing. What you're really doing is the geometry. You know, you're visualizing what happens to geometric transformations, which is what you do in, you know, seventh grade geometry or tenth grade geometry. You're doing all the same thing that you're used to doing in high school, but wait a minute. The objects that you're seeing are so beautiful. You say, oh, all of a sudden, now I see why it's so important that I know the geometry of transformations. I know what a quadratic function is. I know how to repeat a process over and over. As you go on and count this, ah, now I see why the derivative is important. Boy, the derivative tells me where the critical point is. And boy, that tells me what this, why this beautiful picture is the way it is. So, all of the stuff that, that looks somewhat mundane when you're first seeing it, whatever level of school you're at, looks a little different, looks a lot different when you start combining it with these beautiful pictures. So many, many students come up after the field days, for example, and say, wow, this is really interesting. And so the pictures, well, yeah, that's it, but the mathematics, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's cool. You know? Well, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <no> <laughs> I, I remember being 
in those in well not not to a math field day of course because I'm sure they would have reacted quite differently but I remember being in seventh grade being in eighth grade and the reaction that anyone had to mathematics uh, not not generally a positive thing well that's what we mathematicians do we uh, list the top ten responses you get when you say to somebody that you're a mathematician you know and it's kind of sad, uh, you know, oh, everyone's, uh, many of the top responses usually, oh, oh yeah, I used to like mathematics till I got into 10th grade, and then, oh, it was just totally incomprehensible to me. So what I always say to people is, yeah, I know what you mean. I used to love my English class till I got into 6th grade, and then, you know, reading those words, they were just so long, I couldn't <laughs> comprehend them, so I just gave up. English, that, uh, you know, and, you know, people would look at you and say, my God, how could you ever give up English? But it's okay to give up mathematics. So, so that's, you know, that's one of the many responses we get. Well, I mean, you, you've done a lot of work in making sure that people don't give up mathematics. If, if uh, your website is to be uh, entirely believed, you have now given over 1,400 invited lectures. Yeah. Uh, how does one get onto essentially what... Uh, that that's more lectures than most people who do lectures as a living do. Yeah, well, so, a lot. Yeah. Uh, so so how did how did you become the apparently the go-to lecturer for uh, every continent other than Antarctica yeah. at this point? <clears throat> Not Antarctica. It's tough. But I'm well, sorry. if anyone if anyone is listening to this on Antarctica, please please have South Pole Tech. I want yep. to go there. <laughs> uh, well, I think yeah. It's a combination of two things. One, this field of mathematics is accessible. You know, I'm not going in and talking about stuff that only three other people in the world can understand. It's x squared plus a constant. You can talk about your research to high school kids. So A, it's accessible. And then B, thanks to technology, it's gorgeous. The images that come out of this is simply simply beautiful. So you combine accessibility with, with some beautiful images that are captivating and people just want to hear more about it. And I guess that's, that's what started it. Uh, and uh, it, the, one, the one other thing that, that you have done uh, in, well I mean I'm sure there's plenty of other things that you've done, I don't, don't want to uh, pigeonhole your career here, but you've also uh, been a chaos consultant for a play called Arcadia. I believe, as well as a math consultant for Kevin Spacey. So how does one become a, a consult, you know, go from being a professor and a well-known lecturer to becoming a consultant in plays and movies? Well, first of all, both that play and the movie have some mathematics in it. Yes. So they needed somebody who could explain the mathematics. So in one of the, one of the times I was doing Arcadia, uh, they actually asked me to come and first of all, meet with all of the actors. Okay, I actually got into this because my son is an actor, oh, okay. and the director knew my son. And next, thing, one thing led to another. So that's how it started. But uh, they wanted me to come and explain the mathematics that they were talking about in Arcadia. So uh, I went. I thought, oh, they'd be totally bored. But no, I found the actors to be very interested in 
the mathematics that was going on, because they were saying things, but they had no idea what they were talking about, and sometimes no idea how to pronounce what they were saying. So they really wanted to understand what the coverly set was, what chaos was, what fractals were. They all come up in the uh, in Arcadia. And then the same thing for uh, the, the spacey movie called 21. There's, there's a lot of mathematics there, so they needed somebody to, uh, to you know, just be able to help the actors pronounce things correctly, to write some equations on the board that were correct, that were, you know, a lot of other things that were going on that I won't <laughs> talk about. <laughs> uh, it, and uh, it, is, it, is it common form for, say, movies to hire mathematicians for uh, when there are going <clears throat> to be, you know, math equations written or... Yes, I think it is. I think okay. there, there are, I know other mathematicians who have served as... Uh, mathematics consultants. Okay, well, uh, on, it's on so that's, nice to know. There's that not that many ma movies that <laughs> feature mathematics, but when they do, they often the people in Hollywood really need some help there, so, <laughs> so they won't get it. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for uh, speaking with me. Okay. It's been a great pleasure. All right, great. That is all that we have for another episode of Strongly Connected Components. If you have any feedback or you just want to say hello, please email me at samuel at acmescience.com. Also, I would love to have you head on over to iTunes and leave us a review in the iTunes store. Just type in Strongly Connected Components in the iTunes search to find us in there. And then in, at the bottom of the page, you can, you know, leave us some stars and write about the show. This is what uh, lets other people find out more about the show on iTunes. And the more reviews you have, the higher you show up in searches. And since you're listening, I assume that you kind of like us and would love for more people to hear us. Also, you know what? Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell pretty much everyone you know. Love to have even more listeners than we already do. Not that all of you are not good enough already. As a matter of fact, you're much better than any future listeners we will ever have. But I would still love to have as many of you as possible. To find out more about Robert Devaney or anything else talked about at this show, you can head on over to acmescience.com, and you can also find out about Combinations and Permutations, the mathematical comedy talk show that we also host over at acmescience.com. The music on this episode was Hard and Berm Pie from Horses and Grasses. That's the intro. And the other song is Shadows 192 from SP12, We can find over at opsound.org. This episode, as always, is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. So, please feel free to remix it, as long as you say that we were the ones who gave you the original audio. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you keep on tuning in. I got another great episode coming for you, and I promise it won't take quite as long to release it. Have a great day.